Hello, welcome back to the Life Runners podcast. We're talking auctions today. We're going to be discussing the Hong Kong watch auction that took place from the 25th to 26th of November. There were some really amazing lots that I wanted to want to discuss. I'm going to talk about five of my favorite lots that were auctioned off in this in this um, during this auction. Um, there were some really interesting watches, really interesting records, very rare pieces. And as you know, as a vintage watch enthusiast, I love talking about these types of things. And so that is exactly what we are going to be doing. I'll put links in the show notes um, for each one of these lots that I discuss. Um, so you can check these watches out while I sort of talk through them. I think they are fairly interesting. I also encourage you to check out the all of the results from the Hong Kong watch auction, as there were some really beautiful pieces that I'm not actually talking about. Um, what's kind of crazy is in my in my list of five, I'm not talking about a 1518 from Patek Philippe, which is kind of crazy because I think I, I it's one of my favorite references, obviously, as as it is with many people who who follow um, vintage Patek Philippe. Um, but I narrowed it down to five watches, and I will stick to that. So, if you are new to life on the wrist, uh, I'm an enthusiast of watches. I create podcast videos and articles. Um, where I basically talk about watches, any topic you can really think of, vintage to modern, learning about watches to sort of my opinions on recent releases. So if you like that type of content, be sure to follow this podcast. You can also check out our website, lifeontherist.com. If you're interested in seeing that there, you can also subscribe to our YouTube channel um, where we post videos. So um, I'll kick us off with the first lot I wanted to discuss, and that is uh, lot number 819. This was a Rolex uh, Daytona, reference 6241. This watch is uh, an absolutely incredible um, chronograph from Rolex. It is the Paul Newman um, John Player special version of this, where there's a black dial with yellow subdials and the Paul Newman subdial um, indicators. This watch, like I said, is in yellow gold. It is in 14 karat yellow gold, I believe. Let me just make sure I don't want to say something wrong there. Um, yep, 14 karat yellow gold. Um, and uh, has a French import hallmark and was the property of a very well um, established uh, Japanese collector. The watch itself was manufactured in 1968, measures 37 millimeters in diameter, and is literally the quintessential Rolex Daytona Paul Newman special, uh, Paul Newman uh, John Player special um, version of this watch. It's estimated that there were about 3,000 examples of the reference 6241 manufactured. They came in three different uh, case metals, stainless steel, 18 karat yellow gold, and 14 karat yellow gold. the 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 sort of split of these was quite um, quite interesting. The yellow gold examples were produced less than three hundred examples, and there were very few of the fourteen karat yellow gold um, ones uh, manufactured. Um, this version is in uh, really incredible condition. One of the things I really love about yellow gold and vintage watch yellow gold is that it can oxidize and create sort of this reddish hue to the to the to the gold case. Um, I posted this watch on my Instagram because I thought it was so incredible. But if you look at the sides of this case, you can really see that oxidation come through. 
um, quite nicely. And I think it gives the um, a watch that's very, very pristine like this watch with a very pristine dial and a very pristine bezel, sort of an aged look that cannot really be avoided. And I think that's nice for, for a collector to see where it's a little bit, um, a little bit aged, uh, which I think is cool. I apologize, I messed up the, the, the case metal. This was 18 karat yellow gold. The 14 karat yellow gold was uh, for the US market. Um, but yeah, so I really loved sort of the patina that this case had, but, but at the same time, the impeccable condition that this watch overall had as well. It was estimated to go between um, 4.65 and 9.4 million Hong Kong dollars, and it ended up going for um, 13.56, so well above the estimate. Um, and uh, go figure, this is an incredible example of the 6241. Um, and uh, a really, really just beautiful piece overall. The second watch is lot number 829. This was the Cartier 61134971. This is um, a, um, a really beautiful uh, tank cintre tank, uh, um, from, from the manufacturer. Again, was probably a very important collector from uh, Japan and it is a white gold curved rectangular um, shaped watch with um, a really beautiful sort of age to it. The watch is from the 1930s um, and is in 18 karat white gold. Um, it comes on a leather strap and is literally like the quintessential cintre that you would be looking for. It has really beautiful um, Arabic numerals on it and um, and, I, and was is the movement is signed uh, European watch clocks and, and co. So sold to 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 the European market. It's actually a Jigelo Kultre caliber that was used in this, um, and it's just, in my opinion, a really great example of this watch. On the back, there actually is um, an inscription. It says NL uh, 1931. So um, it is a customized uh, case, which is. Um, which I think is um, uh, quite interesting. The description on the Philips website basically says the engraved case back NL 1933 was the uh, enigmatic story still to be unearthed from 1933. The timepiece traveled the globe decades ago from Europe all the way across to Japan and eventually landed in the hands of a Japanese Cartier collector in 2015. Um, this is a really beautiful example of this watch. Obviously it changed a couple of hands. I really like the age of the our, uh, the Arabic numerals on this watch, as well as the sort of contrast with the blue hands. I think it looks really great. It was estimated to go between 320 and 640,000 Hong Kong dollars. It ended up going for two point, if you round 2.3 million Hong Kong dollars, so well, well above estimate, um, almost four times the estimate. And I think shows the quality of a piece like this. All right, now watch number three is an Automa Pige. This was, um, Lot number 839 was the reference to 25820. This is a platinum perpetual calendar um, moon phase, uh, perpetual calendar um, platinum Automa Pige Royal Oak that has um, 
Petrol calendar, moon phase, leap year indicator, and came with a warranty box and presentation case. This was a modern watch from 2003. One of the things I just love about this is uh, Royal Oak complications. I think they look absolutely phenomenal. Another thing that cannot be um, understated is when you turn this watch over, you can actually see the movement, which I think is really, really beautiful. The model name is the Quantien Perpetual Automatique. Um, and for me, I think complicated automatique is um, where a lot of collectors are sort of going to. Um, I think it presents it presents just the absolute beauty that that these that these manufacturers can have. It has a black dial, which goes really interestingly with the platinum case. Um, at 39 millimeters, super wearable. Comes with box papers, you name it. It had it. So a really beautiful example. Not too much to say about this besides the fact that I really like the contrast between the platinum case and the black um, dial, as well as the complications that this piece has. It was estimated to go between 750,000 and 1.5 million uh, Hong Kong dollars, and ended up going for just shy of 1.5 million Hong Kong dollars. So within estimates, um, but an absolutely phenomenal piece uh, when you when you take a look at it. All right, this was a big boy uh, watch from uh, from from this auction. This was lot number eight five two. This was the Patek Philippe reference thirty four forty eight dash one hundred. This is an extremely unique watch. Um, it is a like I mentioned thirty four forty eight. Um, it's it is a um, Nicknamed the Padalone, but it is a, a platinum perpetual calendar watch with a moon phase at uh, six o'clock. It also has sapphire set indices and a sapphire uh, display case back, um, which is uh, absolutely phenomenal. Um, the watch is from 1973. Um, and uh, according to the archives, um, the the production of this watch with the sapphire uh, hour markers was in 1973, and it was sold in February of 1974. There was then, and there's an extract from the archives that basically says that the um, watch was then replaced um, with a platinum case in 1997 during a service. So um, it does have a uh, 1997 case, which was done during our service, um, but has a what many people believe to be a unique dial with these blue, it's nicknamed the Blue Royale, um, with these blue sapphire hour indicators. So um, the 3448, was revolutionary for Patek Philippe because it was the first time that a self-winding perpetual calendar wristwatch was available in the market. Only 16 years later did someone else come out with a perpetual calendar, um, self-winding perpetual calendar. What's interesting is they were actually um, the first to manufacture, um, they were the, the world's first, they produced the world's first perpetual calendar wristwatch in 1941 in the reference 1526 and then came out with um, the world's first self-winding perpetual chronograph so extremely revolutionary it's nicknamed the paralone because of its aesthetics that remind many collectors as of a frying pan and um, very few of these were were manufactured it's estimated that 450 examples were uh, excuse me 
568 examples were uh, created, 450 of those were cased in yellow gold, 130 in white gold, and only six in pink gold. And then there are two known examples um, in platinum um, that were originally in gold cases. And I, this is um, one of the examples that is now in, plat in a platinum case. When it comes to rarity of Patek Philippe, this is literally as rare as you can possibly get. It was estimated to go between. It was estimated to go for in excess of ten million Hong Kong U.S. Uh, Hong Kong dollars. It ended up going for seventeen point seven nine five million Hong Kong dollars, so well above the estimates. This is a unique Patek Philippe. If you are a Patek Philippe collector, this is exactly what you're trying to get your hands on, um, and um, a, a phenomenal uh, watch with a documented history, and. Um, came from a, a very important collector and and i'm sure the new collector is extremely uh happy with with their with their um with their new watch the last lot i wanted to talk about is something just a little bit funky kind of quirky but shows the innovation that, that uh, swiss watch manufacturers had to uh, had to had to go through in the 1970s and that is lot, 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 lot number 1055 it is the automa pige reference 6001 this is a quartz Automa Pige that has a real 70s vibe to it. So if you don't know, the quartz crisis was a huge deal to Swiss watch making because quartz watches were taking over um, the space that, that people had on their wrists and people were wearing quartz watches because it was more accurate than, than, manual, than um, mechanical watches. And so during this time, a lot of brands had to innovate and come out with these with interesting designs that would hopefully capture a segment of their, the market, and many of them used quartz uh, movements um, in those pieces to try and entice people to buy their, their watches. This 6001 is a great example of this. It has this real 70s case design to it and this really interesting uh, bracelet. It's a quartz watch at 40, 42 millimeters tall, 35 millimeters wide, has a date at six o'clock, and then it has your very typical Royal Oak sort of dial design and hour markers and hands. The reason why I really love this piece is it really shows what lengths these manufacturers had to go to to remain relevant in watch collecting and watch owning and watch making. Um, and, uh, while this has similar aesthetics to the Royal Oak, it definitely is its own reference and uh, has a really cool oval um, sort of rectangular uh, shape to it. It was estimated to go between 62 and 94,000 Hong Kong dollars and it ended up going for 327,600 uh, Hong Kong dollars. So um, crushed its estimates and I think collectors really realize this is a a unique piece that you're probably not going to see very often, but shows the innovation of, of these of these brands. So I hope you guys enjoyed hearing my favorite lots from the Hong Kong watch auction number 13. I put links in the show notes of this podcast if you want to check out each of these um, lots. I encourage you to do so. Um, I, uh, if you want to chat to us about some of the lots at this auction, be sure to hit us up on our social medias or our contact us page on our website. I'd love to hear your thoughts on these. If you are new to the podcast, be sure to follow us and um, and turn on notifications so you can be notified as soon as we upload. We do release a podcast every Tuesday, so 
um, you can you can um, stay tuned for that. Be sure to check out some more other podcasts if you like this type of uh, content. You can also head over to our website and our YouTube channel for more there. And with that said, guys, thank you so much for listening to this podcast, and until next time.